It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How's everybody doing? I am Sam Sherman with Southside Sox. Um, and uh, this is, uh, before I get to the, the cast of characters here, um, this is what's, I guess, I didn't expect to become, well, I, maybe I did expect to become, but what didn't go into the season thinking that there'd be a Sox therapy group that we would be running here. But um, well, the season has taken a turn for that being the case. Um, so, uh, Crystal, why don't you, you, the people know you here on Southside Sox, but why don't you start out, um, just do a, a, a you know, I, I guess, uh, just for the, because this is the, the listeners out here, I'm joined by Crystal O'Keefe and Zach Hayes, um, who is currently finishing up a workout. A, I don't know. I said a workout, a workout. Um, <laughs> he is taking care of the, the, the body and mind as we are, um, just here pre-gaming, um, the White Sox versus Blue Jays game two of the series. Um, and so, yeah, this is why, anyway, that was a really rambling intro, but this is White Sox therapy part two. Uh, Crystal, how's it going? Uh, you know, it could, it could be better. <laughs> it really could. I have gotten to the point where unless I'm covering the game, I'm just not watching them play. I will watch anything else. I mean, the new Stranger Things season just came out. So I'm going to just get caught up on that. There's so much good TV. There's yeah, so much I've good TV. been watching Under the Banner of Heaven also. Really good. Ooh. So, you know, I would rather watch true crime or crazy, like, demon craziness and Stranger Things than watch the White Sox play right now. I would rather watch Mormon murders. <laughs> 
than watch the White Sox play right now. I it's it's a hell of a lot more interesting than the White Sox. Um, that is for sure. And I think we may maybe we'll talk about some other things that we've been enjoying. Um, during this during this the span that this baseball season has been, but Zach, how about you? Um, how how are, how are you doing? Man, there's a lot of stuff from like 2007 through 2015 or so that I d- do not miss on a regular basis and hope to never see again. And uh, I don't know, the Sox kind of perpetually hanging around 500 while <laughs> making me want to you know, bash my head into the into the wall by running into outs all over the place and finding the dumbest ways possible to lose games in a very winnable division. That is not something from 2007 through 2015 that I thought I was going to have to relive this year, but here we are. And uh, I'm feeling pretty about it, I guess. It's, yeah. It's all there yeah. really is to feel sometimes. In the first, um, in the first stocks therapy group, uh, that was when I was like really at a rough point. For my fandom, I was really, I was, I was turning to, to the team here at Southside Sox for help and tips and, and, and figuring out, you know, why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And, I, and, and Crystal, I'm glad that you mentioned that the games that you're not covering, you haven't really been tuning into because I've, I, that was one of the things about the idea of not having to watch every game that helped me a lot, or rather not having to like dedicate that three hour block, you know, every day or every night to it where, you know, I've been watching the games if I'm available, but if I'm not, I haven't necessarily been, I haven't been, you know, putting off other things to do it. Um, that's been really helpful. Um, but the thing is, is it's like where the White Sox are as a 500 team. Um, the nature of a 500 team is you are technically not bad and you are not good. You're 500, right? Um, <laughs> so it's like if they, you know, if, as we know, if they were in almost any other division, um, they would – you know, be at a critical point of, of essentially being out of a, uh, a playoff race. Uh, nobody's, I guess, out of it at this point. Of the season, <laughs> but, but, but the bottom line is, is that they're, you know, what are the four and a half games out only because they're in the division that they're in, um, which kind of keeps me somewhat interested, I guess. But I think last night was an example, of course, when they dropped, uh, what was the, what was the final? Uh, six, six five. five? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they dropped that game, you know, Giolito went, uh, he still had, a, he piled up strikeouts, but was really not a great start for him. Um, tough to put too much blame on the starting pitching or, or really any element of the pitching this season, because as we know, if you, if your team doesn't score runs, the pressure that that puts on a, on a staff to have to go out every night and be pretty near perfect has got to be tough. Lucas Giolito is, is, um, allowed to have not great starts sometimes. And, and quite frankly, the offense even was, you know, that was an offensive explosion with uh, with five runs that the White Sox put up last night. Um, but but ultimately, like, there were too many things. You know, even in the ninth inning, when they got first and second with nobody out, and I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe they're going to get back in this. But then I was sort of thinking, and why would that matter exactly? Because we've already seen enough in this game where even in a win, I think we just all know that this doesn't seem like a team that's going to do much past the uh, much past the, the regular season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, when you think about it, the pirates are doing better. Yeah. Pittsburgh is doing better right now than the white Sox. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. It's, it's a team that we, we, I mean, we could just talk circles around this idea, but they've been, 
they've been telling us, they've been talking to us, the front office, the media, uh, fellow fans have been telling us about how, how great this front office was building a team. I mean, that's the other part of it is that, you know, you bring up like a team like Pittsburgh. I mean, there's, there's teams like that in baseball that have put far less resources and, and effort into, uh, you know, they're, they're not even trying to necessarily win right now. And, and the White Sox are not like entering a competitive window. They're in it. And, and, you know, there's not the, the money has been spent in, in some capacity in the sense that it's been spent in the bullpen, as we've talked about. It has not been spent in other areas, but, um, I guess a part of the reason why I'm so down on it is just the fact that again, like I, I try to live in the moment like we all do in some way, but it's hard not, it's hard not to look at not just like the rest of this season, but even just like moving forward, you know, what changes because we know the manager's not going anywhere unless he decides to. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, they, they, uh, I guess, Zach, what do you think about like going into this upcoming off season? I know we're jumping way ahead here. Um, but, is there any reason to believe that this, in your mind, that this front office would go out and add to the areas that they're lacking? Let's even go to the trade deadline. Um, when they, when they had an entire offseason with options on the table and they didn't address things like right field and things like second base. And there's an old saying in Texas, Tennessee, yada, yada, fool me once, shame <laughs> on you. Fool me, da, da, da. can't get fooled again. I'm not getting fooled again. Are you getting fooled again? I've been getting fooled my entire life. There's people in this fan base who have been getting fooled since like 1983. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a firmly, firmly in believe it when you see a territory. I, that's, that's what was so, so frightening about the, coming into the season about this past off season was that in spite of uh, all of the proclamations of how different things were this time around, that's all we've been hearing for the last five, six years. Uh, <clears throat> they basically approached this off season the same way that they have, I was born in 1995, damn near every off season I can remember, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of make vague attempts to fill the holes and make vague allusions to going for big fish. And it really just, uh, it seemed entirely too on brand for what, what the entire Jerry Reinsdorf tenure has been uh, and the Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn tenure have been. So until, and that's not like consequences are a thing in these organizations. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's just hard to have any faith that things are going to be done any differently because they have not been done differently for however many years. And what 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 is the catalyst for change at this point? What is going to make them do things differently? It seems like nothing. Winning doesn't do it. Losing doesn't do it. You know, it's uh, just the way. I think that's partially what's so depressing about it is that we're kind of firmly in this is how things are territory. It's kind of detached from winning and losing and it's detached from consequences and it's detached from what we as fans want or think that's, this is just what we're stuck with kind of how it feels, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think anyone, do we see that? Oh, I I think your audio cut out for one second there, but (laughs) um, no, but no, I, I I think had a breath, had a breath. No, that's fine. Like you said, we're, that idea of being stuck is definitely a big part of it. Um, I, I want to talk about some of the players on the field because, or rather also off the field, um, because, and I kind of want to get level of concern here. Uh, Crystal, um, I'm, I'm going to start out with, um, with Yasmani Grandal, a player who I think we all like for reasons, um, both on and off the field in general. But this season, 
I don't think there's any way around the fact that he has been bad in every aspect of what not only makes him good, but would make any player remotely good uh, or even average. I mean, he's just been really bad. Do you, are you, do you think that there's a, there, there's going to be a bounce back for him? I mean, he's a guy who's been around for a long time, even last season started out very slow, ended up finishing, you know, second half of the season was great, um, was getting on base, but um, has not been getting on base this year. Do you see, do you think that's going to turn at any point? Uh, I don't, I think he came back from that injury and he's already, I mean, he's old for baseball years. Mm-hmm. He's a year younger than me, but he's like a grandpa in baseball <laughs> years. And it, and it sucks. Cause I remember just, I was so excited about mm-hmm. that signing, like just insane. I was so excited. And like I said, I think after that injury, he just came back worse and I don't see him rebounding because he's getting to that point where he needs to start thinking about retiring instead of playing another year. That's the thing is he's just, he looks, it's, it's wild to say it, but he, I mean, he really looks like that bad. I mean, um, I, I know I'm not going to name names, but I saw, I saw, you know, some people on Twitter last night saying that he looked good striking out three times in a row. Um, I, again, these, there's smarter baseball people than me. Pretty much everybody's a smarter baseball person than me, but I'm not seeing it. Um, uh, Zach, do you know, do you have any, any Yasmani thoughts about potential, um, you know, bounce back potential or, or, you know, what do you think is going on there? I'm not, I'm not quite ready to hit like the full panic button on him yet. He's, he's always been very streaky. You look at, sort of some of his past ups and downs and fluctuations. I love it. I love looking at rolling charts on fan graphs to get a sense of whether, you know, when we're seeing some kind of outlierish performance from a hitter or pitcher, whether it's good or bad, you can see like, is this kind of within the realm of their career norms or these, is this a 30 game swing that he's experienced before in one way or another? And he's had really bad stretches like this, maybe not quite. We'll get, point now where they're like oh he has not slumped this badly for this long for a very long time and you start right. to think oh maybe maybe this is just age catching up to him I'm not quite a hundred percent at that point yet I'm getting very close but he it's a little similar with uh as with with Johan in some ways in terms of not just the physical skills where they they're swinging and missing through middle middle fastballs they just look yeah. lost you know the approach isn't there uh the pitch recognition isn't there and he's still, I think fully capable is, you know, going still capable, go on, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> still capable of going probably on tears like the one we saw for the second half of last year. But uh, yeah, every day that goes by that he doesn't flip that switch, it gets, gets a lot, a lot scarier. He's still, you know, not my, not, you know, at the top of my, my biggest fears list right now, but it's, um, it's there's not much to say about it. It's it's not good. It needs to get better sooner. It's going to be kind of hard to to plan on it getting better. You know. Yeah. Um. There's a lot that's getting harder and harder to plan on getting better this season for the White <laughs> Sox. Uh, another uh, another player that you did mention there is Yon Moncada, um, who has sort of the White Sox have been doing this thing this year, which is like they're not really putting players on the IL. They're like just kind of ridiculous. I don't, and again, like these, there's all, I'm always open to like being told why a thing is the case. And then of course being educated on, you know, and then changing my thought on it. I think we should all 
as a society, you know, understand that stuff. But I think <laughs> like, but as far as the White Sox are concerned, I don't understand this thing, why they don't just put players on the IL when you can do that. Um, but yet they won't play for the amount of time with all the, especially all the retroactive placements and all this stuff. Um, Moncada is someone who's, who's battling through some injuries um, has again, is, is active. Hasn't been playing the last few days when he has been playing um, Zach, like you said, he's, he's missing on, on middle, middle fastballs. He's just, um, you know, his defense has still been pretty solid. Um, but offensively hasn't really been bringing anything to the table. I'm, I'm definitely not with, with him where I am with Yasmani as far as uh, giving up hope. I mean, I think we've still seen enough from um, Moncada where, you know, when he's been healthy, which is a big, you know, a, a big uh, you know, caveat there. Um, he's been, you know, he's looked every bit, the, the five tool, four, four or five tool kind of guy that, that um, the Sox traded for in the Chris Sale trade years ago. Um, but you know, I guess Crystal, do you see Mankata having a, a streak here of of health, maybe where he can kind of start to put together those at bats that we've gotten used to? I think yeah, he's not on my panic button radar just yet, and I do think he just he needed that time to kind of rest. I think an actual injury list stint would have been really good for him, but. I think, I mean, we see, you said it already, that his defense has been great. I'm not Mm -hmm. concerned about that at all. I just think he really needs some help with the plate. And unfortunately, we have a horrible hitting coach that's clearly not doing a (laughs) single thing. Yeah, not helping. (laughs) Like, I want to take him, like, I have a batting cage down the street (laughs) that I take my son to. Like, maybe, you know, call me and we'll go. (laughs) But... I'm not super worried about him. I do think maybe he'll be okay as this season plays out. And just, you know, as long as he stays healthy. I hope but so. I he's also made of glass. Yeah, that's 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 been a, an unfortunate theme with him. And I think that, you know, he's also no longer, you know, he's he's a guy that's not, that's not, um, you know, the, the team-friendly deals that a lot of these guys have gotten have, are you know, I'm not, it's not my money. They could, they could be, you know, I want these guys to get paid as much as possible, but as far as, you know, he's, he's getting the big, the relatively speaking, the big money at this point, he's in that contract. It, he's, he's got to be performing, you know, basically at the level of what he's getting paid for, um, or, or at least that's the idea. And he hasn't been uh, this year. Um, Zach, you know, when you kind of dive into the numbers, I don't know how much you've looked at, into his season. Is there anything, a- anything there? Um, I know it's been a small sample size because again, he came back, you know, later than, than the season had started, but um, is there anything there to, to maybe be optimistic about, or to think that this could be um, turning if he does get some, some healthy uh, play under? Yeah. I haven't really looked at too many numbers or like what's going on with his season, especially because he hasn't played much the last, the last week or so, but uh mm-hmm. Just off off the eye test, man, he looks so lost. He's just swinging, not just swinging through fastballs, but he's behind on like 91, 92-mile-an-hour fastballs over the plate. Um, he's never had great bat control. A lot of swing and miss has always been a part of his game going back to when he was a prospect. So, um, And, you know, obviously the story of him, his, his breakout in 2019 was learning to be a little more aggressive and kind of right. minimize the, the strikeouts that come from taking a lot of pitches and having a lot of swing and miss. Uh, but... He just looks like he never quite got his feet under him in terms of pitch recognition. Maybe it was uh, 
I don't know, missing the jump from the end of spring training to, you know, the third or fourth week in the regular season. I, I don't know, again, not super, not super high on my concern list simply because it is what it is. He's going to, he's going to figure it out or he won't. And um, I haven't seen anything that tells me that it's not something that's kind of mental or approach based. I could be very wrong. Like I said, I haven't been paying too much close attention, but he, he's just off, you know, he's, he's in between and, you can, you know, bitch about Menachino until the cows come home or argue about what a hitting coach does or does not do or how much of an impact they do or do not have. But between him and Yaz and some of the other hitters on this team, it's clear that whoever is in their ear, whoever is talking to them when they're in the cage, whenever they're getting their reps, they're not, whatever adjustments they're trying to make, it is just not, nothing is clicking. Yeah. You know, I mean, none of these, that's why I, I think, and I know this is the second time I've said that neither of them are, like super high on the panic level for me, which is seems kind of ridiculous given where we are in the season, but these ups and downs are going to happen with these players, but you know, nothing else in this organization has put them in a position where a other players are going to pick up for, you know, when they're not performing or, you know, there's not people in the organization and there's not a, a brain trust in the organization that's helping them uh, get right and shake things up whenever you know, when they're just pounding their head into the wall and nothing is working. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I I think he'll, I think he's too good to not figure it out eventually, but that's, that's the problem is that when he's lost, he is lost and brutal and no one is helping him pull himself out of that, you know? And I think the, the meatball, you know, fan in me uh, thinks also about how I I wonder, you know, Yomankata, this is one of those things where you watch him play and, and the thing that when he's playing well, I think the thing that that really makes him intriguing to watch is that he really doesn't go high or low, right? He's so le- he seems to play so like balanced and, and level headed, and and he's not, you know, he's not, you know. I love the excitable players. I, don't get me wrong, I, I love that kind of stuff, but he's not that. And I think that that can look really cool in its own way when you're playing really well and kind of just casually go about it. But unfortunately, when you're not it's the same thing. He still, he still doesn't get too high or low. And I think that a lot of fans probably perceive that. Um, it's just from some of the stuff that I've seen talked about of kind of like, Oh, he doesn't care or whatever. And I don't get that impression at all. I, I really think that's just much more about, you know, the way that he plays. I, I don't think it has anything to do with like passion for the game or interest or I think that's all kind of silly, but I do, I do think about that kind of like how, how stuff like that can kind of affect the um, perception of a player simply by how they, like their temperament on the field kind of stuff. There, there's just something about Yoan too. I, I don't know if it's, I think it has to be because he was the guy in the sale trade. People just seem to have it out for him in weird totally. ways. And, you know, so much of this stuff is is semantic because for all the reputation that Yoan has for, you know, being made of glass and being fragile, which he does get dinged up a lot, but uh, Tim Anderson has missed roughly the same amount of time since the start of the 2019 season as Yolan has. And you don't hear that criticism about TA at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it speaks to, again, it speaks to the way that this organization has set a lot of its best players up for, up for failure. Because when things do go wrong, when, you know, guys are going to get hurt and maybe Tim and Yolan are a little bit more fragile than the median, you know, it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't have much because they should have backups who aren't Leuli Garcia and Josh Harris. You know, right. they should have backup plans that aren't going to leave us with nothing to grasp at. But oh, why can't they stay on the field when 
you know, one guy gets hurt after another and there's nothing that can, anybody can, can do to pull themselves out of a pit. Yeah. I'm not saying that Yolbert Sanchez uh, is, is like the answer, but I am saying that he is sort of a, a like, if, if not like a stud prospect, I'm saying he's not this, but like, if you don't have that like stud prospect ready to come up to the majors, I have to think he's like the prototypical guy that to, to come up in this sort of a situation who's, Hitting, you know, not for power, but he's getting hits in AAA. He hit, he's hit somewhat at every level that he's been in, um, in, in his minor league tenure. He seems to play good defense and he's 25 years old. And, and, you know, Zach, it sounds, what do you got on him? Oh, I, I've said a few things in a row, so I'll let you go on a sec, Crystal. But I, it, what, it, why are you going to spend two and a half million dollars on like exactly. a twenty-three-year-old <laughs> international prospects if not and start him in, you know, high A at age twenty-three? If not to bring him up in a time like this, exactly. if not now, what are you making these moves for? Mm-hmm. Because you're not trading for prospects. You're not putting a lot of money into your, you know, your international scouting system beyond, you know, the Cuban prospect of the day. You're, you're not putting any money into the draft. If this isn't your depth, then what is? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I I could not agree more. And I think, again, it's like we're not talking about somebody. Like there's other interesting – like there's probably – much higher ceiling or at least higher ceiling prospects, um, whether that be a guy like Sosa or a guy like um, uh, Brian Ramos, um, if, who are both, I don't know if uh, between double A AA and triple A, all that. Um, and I'm not, I'm not calling to rush anybody, but I don't think that Sanchez is a guy who is, would be a rush, a considered rush situation. Um, and it's not like the need isn't there. Um, Crystal, I mean, how much more time are you giving, uh, you know, the, like Josh Harrison's or, you know, Danny Mendick or, um, you know, Leary Garcia. I mean, Leary's not going anywhere. He's still under a three-year contract, but um, <laughs> like, uh, you know, how, how much more, how much more leeway are you giving these guys at this point? They have no more leeway. These guys are professional baseball players getting paid the big bucks. If yeah. they're not performing, then your time is gone. I mean, they got rid of Dallas Keuchel. Right. Yeah. So there's no reason to keep someone like Josh Harrison on this team. I don't even necessarily hate Danny Mendick. He he produces somewhat, but yeah, it makes no sense. And I don't know. I agree. I don't know why they have yet to call up Gilbert. I mean, yeah. hell, give me him. Give me Blake Rutherford. Like, there's yeah. so many options. <laughs> yeah, it, that are probably better at this point than what we've got going. Because exactly. There's no excuse for how poorly they've been performing. Uh, Tony Larusa said before the game yesterday that he 
justified the lineup that he put on the field, which was an interesting lineup. I don't care that Yasmani was batting first. I thought that was interesting. I thought the logic there was actually okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was fine. That was like the least of my issues. It was just more how how wild like the last like five guys in the lineup, you know, just being in a in a in a you know, there's injuries, yada yada, yada whatever. But Larusa said he liked the lineup because you got a lineup of guys who he who he thinks would, you know, play like it's game seven of the World Series, to which I thought was really funny after, of course, Mendick's base running gaff. Um, because it's like, well, I sure hope I sure hope we don't ever <laughs> uh, see that because that was rough. Um I, again, like uh Crystal, I I, I like Danny Mendick uh, like overall. Um, you know, I got I did got a chance to interview him a couple years ago for the site. Very nice guy. Uh, you know, very appreciative that that you know he took the time to chat. Um, I like him in that aspect, but as far as like what you know, I know it's just one you know base running mistake, but it was a big one in a game that you know that the bottom line is is it's like you know you, you they they were in a position to you know they were battling in the game last night and that took all the momentum away. And it's also a guy that you know nobody should make that mistake, but you know, when you're a player like Danny Mendick, when you're a late, late, late round draft pick who, who's trying to justify your spot on a team, not just as a required, not just as, as something that, you know, a guy that's there because of injuries, which he is currently, um, you can't do that. And yeah. I don't, and it's hard to say, is that his fault? Is it the coaching staff? It, you'd think that stuff like that shouldn't have to even really be said. But if it if it's happening, then maybe it does need to be said. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, it's just hard because, um, Crystal, like you said, they were able to, they, they sort of did the, they did the right thing in, 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 um, DFAing, um, our friend Dallas Keuchel, uh, but RIP Bozo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get him out of town. They did. That was the right thing to do. Um, but if you do that and you don't do the other things that should go along with that, again, uh, not everybody is Leary Garcia. Not everybody has the three-year guaranteed contract. Um, I, I just think, you know, it, it, Crystal, I'm putting you in, uh, in Rick Hahn's office. Uh, so, <laughs> it, so it's just, you know, I'm giving you that ability here just for a, a couple of minutes. I mean, what's your next move? I mean, is it, is it something on the infield? Uh, I mean, what would be the, the, the most urgent move that you would make? Or, and this could be sending someone down. This could be release. What, what are you doing? Right. So, I mean, I know we can't really get rid of, Garcia and all, but I would, I would be dropping, um, Josh, I'd be Mm -hmm. sending Gavin back down to Charlotte for a bit. Yeah. Because he, he really needs us at bats and I would be putting Jake Berger at third Mm -hmm. until Juan can get his shit together because at least Jake Berger is hitting the ball. Um, and then maybe even, putting um, Andrew Vaughn at first and just letting Jose Abreu DH for a bit because he's not, he's also not hitting and he needs more time to do that. And Andrew Vaughn's a natural first baseman. There's no reason he should be out in right field when, I, yeah, you know, Adam Engel exists. I couldn't agree more. You, you brought up a couple things that I'm, I'm really happy you did specifically uh, bringing up Gavin Sheets. Um, I like Gavin Sheets. I, I, I haven't like... You do too. <laughs> I haven't given up on him. But at the same time, 
you're, you need to win games this year. You're, you know, and, and he's not at a point right now where he's doing much to help you win games at all. Um, you know, and, and if he's, you know, he's not out there for his defense, right. He's, he's out there to, to, to maybe hit the occasional uh, uh, bomb. And he hasn't done that um, really at all this year. Um, also, I really, I really agree with um, as far as putting Berger at third, um, maybe Mankata. I know this can get a little tricky. Maybe you put Mankata at second. I don't know. Um, and then of course, putting, putting Andrew Vaughn at first base, I know that Jose Abreu likes to, likes to, he loves to play first base. He does not like the DH. I'm sorry, Jose, you're not hitting well enough to, you know, you're not hitting well enough when you're playing first, but it doesn't seem to impact be impacting a whole lot. Um, and Andrew Vaughn has to play every single day because Andrew yeah. Vaughn is, uh, especially with, with TA out, arguably with TA in, Andrew Vaughn is your best hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And I still think that's, that's got to be TA for the, um, uh, looks like we've got another visitor here coming in. Oh, but, probably Adrian. Um, yeah. Yes, Adrian is, is coming, <laughs> hopping in. What's up, Adrian? Hi. <laughs> um, we were just chatting about um, – Actually, Crystal is now general manager of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Rick Hahn has been um, DFA'd with uh, Dell Cycle down to wherever they're quite, quite <laughs> proud of himself. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so we were just saying that. So I, I was agreeing with Crystal that, that she was saying that she would put, you know, put um, Andrew Vaughn at first base uh, and Jose would be DHing. Um, Adrian, you're, you're just hopping in now to socks therapy part two. Um, what are some things that you would do? It's, it's the question I just asked crystal, but what are some things that you would do if you were given the keys to the car right now to, to shake things up, to move things around? What are you doing here on uh, June 1st to, to, to light a fire under this team? Um, I mean, I'm definitely on board with the Andrew Vaughn thing. I've been driving that bus that, uh, you kind of have to get Andrew Vaughn, um, he's already proven how valuable he is hitting the ball. And like his one glaring weakness is how, you know, he's just he's still statistically probably the worst outfielder. You know, <laughs> at the moment. Um, so, Almost uh, like he had never played the outfield before. Yeah. yeah. Big leagues, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Almost as if. It's like, yeah, like he's got the, uh, he's got the bad jumps like Eloy gets, but then he's also like not nearly even close to, you know, uh, average speed, uh, for a major leaguer. So like, um, at least, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those things too. And it's like, well, now you're going to go into next year. And if he plays poorly at first base, you're going to be like, well, you know, he's just still learning the position at the major league level. And it's like going to be this his whole career. Like, um, at some point, you know, maybe you save Jose's legs and get him in the DH spot. But, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but like, if, Yasmani's struggling the way he is, then you know he's going to lose some at bats, and hopefully, maybe he gets a little healthier and can compete. Uh, but I think they need to kind of—they've got their fingers kind of in a bunch of different pots. Like they're like they don't want to play defense. They keep putting out these horrendous defensive lineups when they could probably have at least. If you're going to not score runs, you kind of have to pitch and play defense really well, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah. But they like they play lineups defensively like a team that's going to slug, and they just can't. Like scoring seven runs is kind of like a pipe dream. Like I don't know if they'll get the double digits again this year. <laughs> like that one April tenth game against the Tigers, um, and I don't know when the next double digit output is going to come from. But uh, it doesn't seem like you can compete 
with the best teams in this league unless you can score seven runs on any given day, and I don't know if they can. I saw something that today just sound like, and I'm pretty. They're like three for thirty with the bases loaded this season or something. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the number. I mean, I mean, you know, just my eyes tell me that that seems actually better than what it's <laughs> what it's actually been. <laughs> Um, you know, because even even yesterday in scoring, like I was saying earlier, the explosion of five runs. I mean, they left a lot of runs out there. You know, and 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 it was like even just getting the the runs that they got. And that's the other part of it is that it's 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 easy to to, to you know to get on Giolito for um, you know not containing a, an extremely uh, uh, good offensive attack in the Blue Jays. Um, but like I said earlier in the pod, it's like you can't put the pressure like that on, on the pitching staff time and time again to where, you know, well, the offense did their job. It's like, well, relatively speaking, but again, if five runs is only as good as the runs that you've left out there and they could have put a lot more on the, on the board if they had any kind of um, situational hitting ability or whatever the case is. And it's just, I know we talk in, in circles about, about all the issues that this team has, but Adrian, you, you hit the nail on the head. You, you can't, you know, you can maybe get over doing one thing badly uh, th- that a baseball team will do, but they're doing so many different things badly <laughs> that it's just tough to kind of get over that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some good things though. You know, we, we, we are about a half hour away from first pitch where uh, Michael Kopech is taking the mound. I believe his last start, was in New York, if I'm not mistaken, um, where he was dominant against the Yankees. Um, you know, it'll be, I'm really curious, like, again, tonight's a game that, that, uh, you know, is going to be interesting to see if he can um, contain a real, another, you know, great offense um, who, by the way, the Blue Jays are damn good. Yeah, I was, I was actually just earlier, about an hour ago, an hour or two ago, I was called a uh, negative White Sox fan for pointing out the fact that the Blue Jays are a home run offense, fastball hitting, and Michael Kopech is a fastball dominant pitcher. <laughs> He's giving up 55%, you know, fly ball rate so far this year, which is the highest, you know, up 10% from last year. And he has yet to give up a home run somehow, <laughs> thanks to this, uh, you know, squishy ball or whatever you want to think for it. Like, <laughs> not sustainable. Like, I looked it up and like in 2019, there was two guys that finished the year qualified, like under 10% home run to fly ball in 2021 there was five guys right now currently not even counting Kopech because he's not technically qualified um, he's like a couple of innings behind everybody else but right now just qualified uh, starters there's 32 pitchers in the in baseball with a home run to fly ball ratio under 10 percent which is just like it doesn't you know that's that's normally only guys that are like, you know, the Gossmans that are in the, you know, mid thirties in fly ball percentage anyway, but a guy throwing 55% fly balls and not giving up home runs is kind of crazy. So um, eventually he's going to regress a little bit. It's why you see like his, uh, his ERA looks amazing, but a Sierra is like four, four, <laughs> his uh, X trip is like five. Cause they're, they're expecting like, well, really, really, really good is 10%. So we're going to assume that you're giving up home runs, but he just hasn't given up any home runs. And like, that's just not sustainable. Um, it doesn't mean he's pitching poorly. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's pitching poorly at all. Like they're not negative just for pointing out like, Hey, we should just, just be aware of this. Like don't be right. mad when he gives up a couple home runs to a guy on the blue Jays. You've never heard of like, Giolito yesterday, you know, like, <laughs> well, but you know, that the guy on the Blue Jays that you never heard of in, in, uh, in Alejandro Kirk, Alejandro. Yes. He, Alejandro. now that's a guy who 
I think is interesting to think about just because last season, the whites, well, he's not really interesting to think about, but uh, in, the, the, <laughs> sorry, Alejandro. Uh, but last season, the White Sox had, um, you know, it's especially to start the year when they had your mean up and then they had, um, you know, Brian Goodwin and certain, and certain like role players, like these bench guys who were coming through in big spots to kind of carry them when the, when the, when the stars of the team weren't really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk hitting a couple home runs last night and, and, you know, drive, you know, and then really the, the stars of that Blue Jays team not doing a lot made me think about how this season we've had a combination of the big names on the White Sox largely not doing a whole lot, but they're also not getting anything from, from that, from the, you know, the, the supporting cast. Um, because we, for, we sort of forget how, like, I mean, I'm not saying any of you forgot, but I, I'll just speak for myself. Like, I, I sort of forgot how much you're mean carried to the White Sox um, up until, you know, uh, Tony decided that that fun was, was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also your mean sort of stopped hitting. But, uh, but the bottom line is, is it's just like, I think that's the other concerning thing is that it's okay for, you know, Jose Abreu is allowed to slump. Um, Yasmani Grandal hopefully it's a slump, is allowed to slump. Um, Yohan Mankata, all these guys can, can go through this to start a season, especially with the short and spring training, whatever the case might be. Um, but what you can't have if you're trying to win games is nothing offensively happening. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's, the, the, that's why you see the Blue Jays last night, you know, um, the Guerreros of the world didn't kill you, but the Kirks of the world did. And that's why, you know, tonight, Adrian, to your point, it could be a a, 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 a completely different game um, because where they held off the stars of, of Toronto last night, that might not happen tonight. Um, and, you know, again, just to compare it to the White Sox, I just don't think that we've seen any of those additions, um, any of the, the kind of role players play much of a role at all, which I didn't Yeah, know. <laughs> it almost it almost makes you think that, like, you know, sometimes maybe – you don't need the most talented guy, but the fit matters. And like mm-hmm. those guys like Goodwin and uh, you know, some of those guys like just the fit made sense and they really got along and they rooted for each other. And it just felt like a different team. It's like where maybe you made an upgrade on some of those guys, but you know, the Billy Hamiltons aren't as good as maybe a Pollock from a career standpoint, but like there's something about how he fit in on this team that just like, from a vibe standpoint worked and like yeah if you it's it's crazy if anybody just just take a second and go look at your means april from last year and it's just crazy like <laughs> your means april last year was better than tim anderson's may this year and yeah. tim anderson was like <laughs> unbelievable like but like still can't hold a candle to what your mean did and just carry the team because yeah if, if you're like tim was even struggling last year tim was struggling Abreu was struggling like everybody was down except for i think makata i think was the only guy that was playing decent like early on when uh uh, when you're mean carrying them, you're mean the machine. <laughs> I'm the first to to call out any any BS that that happens, uh, you know, with the White Sox when it's deserved or maybe even not. But one thing that I saw today with um, Cesar uh, Cesar Hernandez being fifth in baseball in hits, I think, uh, which I didn't even realize that he was um, on a major league roster, but he is. He's he's <laughs> out in Washington, just hitting all the hits. Um, that actually doesn't bother me whatsoever because <laughs> there's certain things, there's certain things that are easy to call out and say, well, why didn't they do this or why didn't they do that? But it's it's sort of like similar to when Zach Collins was hit like a home run for the Blue Jays in the first week of the season, and everyone's like, see, it's like, no, I'm okay with that. He could, and I said this earlier. I said 
as you know, in, in, earlier in the year, you know, he could have had an MVP year and I would not have cared. Uh, it would have been interesting to see how he could have done that. Um, hate him too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. It is a little bit tough though, that Hernandez, uh, you know, is a second baseman and, and um, the White Sox like very swiftly uh, decided that he was not, that they weren't going to pick up that option. <laughs> I think he's still. Because well, he's, he's like leading the league in plate appearances. He's, it's yeah. only because he's playing for a terrible yeah, team. Yeah, he's, I mean, um, that's be. true. Yeah, good point. He's also, I think he's only hit one home run since that trade happened. So like he went <laughs> from hitting, he hit 21 home runs. The league changed the baseball and he just hit one home run in the next like you know, hundred plus games. Like, yeah. Like I would sue the league if I was him, you know, you're taking money out of my pocket. Um, bring back, bring back the other ball. I, I, I can't believe that I ever thought for a second that that other, when the other ball was happening and then anybody, including probably myself at some point was like, you know, this ball's ridiculous. It's like, mm-hmm. no, that's just the ball that I want to watch in the sport that I enjoy watching. Yeah. At least like, as long as it's the same all the time and you know what the, right then it's fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, Cause like, it's not like we got more balls in play now. Like, no, we don't. It's just, we have less <laughs> balls going out of the park too. <laughs> like, uh, well, not uh, if you're the Mets. Not yeah, if you're Pete that's Alonso. True. That's true. I mean, yeah. If you're, if you're Giancarlo Stanton, you don't have any problems, but like everybody else, like Jose Abreu, like, I don't know how much was the ball. Like you have to at least ask those questions, you know, when the numbers, I mean, he also is just 35 and you know, you could fall off a cliff pretty quick once you get to a certain age. I want to talk a little bit about and get your thoughts on the bullpen because, um, and it sounds funny to even talk about the bullpen because there's just so many problems with the team. It's just piling on, but really, um, you know, the bullpen's like fine, but the, but of course the, the issue that I've been having, and I think a lot of people have been having is bullpen management because any given night, you know, a lot of teams in baseball, I don't watch every team in baseball. In fact, there's very few that I keep up with consistently. Um, but there's two things between the lineups lineup consistency, I think is, is pretty standard in baseball. You have some tweaks, some changes, the white Sox have had injuries, but even still there's been so many different lineups, but the other part of it is Tony's bullpen management that is unpredictable. Any given night. Um, We've seen him put low leverage uh, pitchers into high leverage uh, situations. We've seen him put high leverage pitchers into lower leverage situations I don't really understand how he's managing the bullpen. I know he's managing through some injuries. I completely forgot that Joe Kelly is like going to be out for maybe a month um, with the hamstring and, and a couple other things, but you know, Kendall Graveman is obviously not available because he's a moron. Um, and I just think not available for the Toronto series, but ultimately, um, you know, do, do you, do you share any of these gripes with kind of, or do you have, do you see a theme or are you picking up on any, any patterns that Tony's been utilizing? This is kind of an open question for um, for this sort of bullpen management mystery. <laughs> um, I take the silence as uh, I guess you all just <laughs> maybe I'm the only I, one. <laughs> I, I think I, I have to wonder if he's just like so kind of tied up within his own rules that there are no rules you know he's so locked into being unable to use Liam Hendricks unless they have a one to three run lead yeah with between zero and between one and four outs left in the game you know and when (laughs) things don't go you know when things don't follow those those plans and those rules and you can't apply the formula as 
you haven't been able to for like this entire season, then you wind up with like Bennett Souza in the highest leverage moment of the game. Yeah. yeah like yeah. honestly, <laughs> we just saw Liam come in in a game, which is like, Oh man, this is like a uh, really progressive move. But like literally Tony brought him in because he hadn't pitched in four days. Exactly. He didn't pitch that day. They had an off day. And then maybe you don't get into the game the first or two days of the next series. So like he couldn't risk not having him throw for six or seven days. So like he li- he literally used him in a moment that like was great and allowed them to win that game because he kept it as a one run lead. He should have honestly let him, he's already warmed up. He should have let him throw again the next inning, but um, that's, there's nothing Tony will say to defend a move that he makes that he won't in a week or two do the opposite of like, so like at this point, like when you're saying like, do we see any patterns? Like, no, like, it seems like he's winging it. Yeah. It just feels like we're re- He's resting guys when he has an off day, two games and then another off day. It's like, well, what are you resting for? Like you're, why are you, why is, uh, why is Dylan Cease throwing 110 pitches? Like <laughs> when you have an off day tomorrow, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> like it just doesn't, there's, there's no sense to it. You know, uh, Graveman's yeah. not going to pitch for a whole uh, upcoming road trip, basically like throw him out there for two innings, you know, <laughs> like use him. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're getting no, we're getting absolutely no value add with our manager. Um, I don't even ask for value add for my manager. I ask for not um, being a detriment to the team, which um, he's been. Just make uh, it make sense at least, you know, like you right. could be a bad manager, but like, all right, that's what he does. And I know that's what he does, but like, that's, it does. And he just changes his mind sometimes. You know, I saw that, um, that, that they got a quote from t- Tony in regards to Gabe Kapler's uh, um, thing about the, the national anthem about not coming out. And then Gabe Kapler did come out for Memorial day, whatever. I, that's not the point of this comment. But I did see that uh, Larusa, um, you know, his comments on that, and I was kind of like, you know, I I don't agree with really probably anything that Tony Larusa says, including that. But uh, but I do wonder why that was even like asked. It's like, what do you think he's going to say? <laughs> like, I I, I you, know, you know, that was one that was just like, were we hope like were we thinking that there was going to be another? Um, this is off topic, but I was just wondering. I do, like, I do actually have a theory on it that you bring yeah, up. Like, I feel like because I was talking to uh, Nick Murkowski on Twitter the other day about like the only way I could ever really see Tony leaving outside of like some health thing that came up, you know, as an older guy is that if he really had a set of beat writers that wanted to really ask him questions and like, you know, give him the White Sox manager treatment, you know, like then – I think he would get fed up and leave because like they give him softball questions and he's kind of upset by it. So like, <laughs> yeah. so I think, I think that kind of questioning they give him that because they know he'll speak on that and then they don't get in trouble with Jerry for asking him tough questions about baseball. You know, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I, that's interesting because it's even, you're right. He really just gets mostly asked softball stuff um, from the Chicago media. Um, I don't remember exactly uh thinking back to Rick Renneria or Robin Ventura um, or Ozzy Ginn before that, um, how the media kind of handled um, the, in, the, in those cases, but no, the Russo does not get pressed particularly hard on, on much of any of his decisions beyond maybe just a, a, a you know, a question. Um, and I don't know why that is. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, you know, even speculate because I'm not in their shoes. Um, 
but yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And I, I, I guess what we need to do is um, figure out a way to get to one of the beat reporters and um, just start feeding them questions to ask, uh, to maybe start to get into Tony's head and um, Hey, Tony, are you sure you want to do this anymore? Kind of thing. <laughs> I'm working on, I'm working on getting credentials. Well, there we go. Yeah, we. I have I've, I have some things to say that have to stay until off the record until after this podcast is over. I guess. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. We're, yeah, we will. We will chat. Credit, uh, man. Yeah, uh, like it, it just is what it is. Yeah, you see it. They'll ask a question, but there's no follow up questions. Like basically, whatever, yeah. like whatever, like rambling nonsense Tony pulls out there. It's like even if it doesn't make any sense, it's like they don't even ask like a what? Wait, what? <laughs> like. But we do know when he dances to the microphone, we hear about his dance moves to the microphone. Um, yeah. That's good. That's that's good. Uh, Listen, but I, it's I'm, a, it's, it's I'm a, a master job. manipulator. <laughs> I'm a Gemini woman. If I get those credentials, I mean, I I went to school for psychology too, so I'm just gonna like exactly. You don't even have that trick. You just got to get in the room and you don't even have to ask them yourself. So you don't have to risk anything. Like you'll just convince the other guys to ask the questions. <laughs> I'm also just a scary person. Like I'm a scary woman in general. A lot of people surprisingly <laughs> and weirdly intimidated by me. Cause I am. It's going to be the most okay. Rick Hahn has ever spoke. <laughs> it's going to be like a Mike Pence mother situation. Like, Oh my gosh, what's a scary woman doing in here asking hard questions. <laughs> uh get yeah we crystal we gotta we gotta get you get your credential get in there uh, Best report. Ask, you're yeah. listening yes absolutely that's, like that scene from 30 rocks like who is this woman why isn't anybody telling her to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> um well uh i i know we are we are wrapping up a little bit here as we are uh, anxiously anticipating michael kopeck getting absolutely just just uh bombs away in toronto um or not we'll see i'm not really sure it might not happen but I just, it's, a, it's something that like eventually he's going to give it's, up a home run yeah <laughs> exactly it will happen hey I, I remember there was a point last summer where i pointed out this is like july i pointed out that something like 17 of the first 19 home runs that keichel had given up with the white Sox were solo homers and i was like you know at a certain point, those aren't going to be solo homers anymore, yeah. and it's not going to be very pretty. And people yeah. said, nah, it's so negative. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the anyway, season thing. The season's uh, success this year is almost exclusively just bringing his walk number down a little bit. You know, like, because, like, those – and you see in the games that he's given up a lot of runs, like, those walks become two-run homers, three-run homers. Like, yeah. like you can't make one mistake anymore uh, once you got that – you're letting guys on for free. So, it just uh, – it's a, it's a game to play for sure. Before we wrap up here, um, I would like to ask something, something completely non-baseball uh, related um, because this is Sox Therapy. I want to wrap up by asking a little roundtable – what have you been listening to, watching, reading, um, anything? Have you had a good conversation recently? What's something outside of the sports world entirely um, that has been bringing you some joy? Uh, Adrian, why don't you lead us off here? Um, I'm rekindling my love of Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos. Listening to a lot of them and uh, Richard Edwards in general. Um, just finished a pretty amazing lego set here this nes i saw that set. that's awesome I, I got the finished pictures i got to put up the rest of them i had to yes. go to work real fast but uh that was really fun too it's been a minute it's been a few years so like yeah just finding some uh some ways to not 
watch the White Sox sometimes. No, absolutely. And I was a cool Lego set. I, I literally saw that and I was like, I think I need to buy this today. I didn't get it yet, but it, I've been wanting it for a while. So it's, it's, been, it's cool. <laughs> my, yeah. The, the attention to detail is just outrageous. Yeah. No, that, there's some good stuff there. Uh, Crystal, how about you? Uh, you mentioned a couple things at the beginning of the pod, but anything else, yeah. anything else you'd like to throw on there? I just have been catching up on all my true crime and sci-fi TV. Obi- I started Obi-Wan too. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Um, I'm just, and then I've got my kids baseball games for another couple of weeks. So that like actually brings me some joy and it's baseball that I can enjoy. Absolutely. No, <laughs> because, that's, uh, you know, he's doing good. That, that's great. And that's, that's baseball that we can all get behind. Uh, unlike our, um, Chicago White Sox. Zach, how about you? What has been bringing you bringing you some joy? You, you I think you just wrapped up your exercise officially. Um, I, did. So you, I did. You must be riding high right now. <laughs> the endorphins. Yep, the endorphins, the serotonin. It's all it's all, all rushing through. I can breathe a little a little normally now. But uh, <laughs> no, I've been I'm spending my summer working my way uh, slowly but surely through Ulysses by James Joyce, which is one of my favorite books of all time, but I've never been able to do it cover to cover it. Cause it's <laughs> like really like you have to be a certain kind of crazy to even like want to do something like that. But uh, I'm, I'm making steady progress and it's making me happy. So my name on Twitter comes from if anyone's ever curious. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's a good one. I like, we got a little sampling of all different things there. I'll just wrap up and say that I just, um finished up with my fiance we watched uh separance uh which we had sort of not watched and then we we just we kind of watched all in like a few days um that was great uh for any f- viewers of severance i was thinking recently about how i would love to um sever um my life <laughs> outside of watching the white Sox and watching the white Sox. um but I, maybe that's a whole another podcast entirely that we could talk about the logistics of that situation. Um, and even if, you know, feasibility, uh, if anybody is listening who can perform that operation. Um, anyway, any last words from anybody before we, uh, before we uh, bid our listeners adieu? I just have one thing. I yes. want to say the Brewers sent me a happy birthday email giving me two free tickets today. So shout out to Milwaukee for caring about me more than my own baseball team. The White Sox did not give me a happy birthday and I do have a season package. Like they don't care. I ordered (laughs) Brewers tickets once in the last like five years. And they send me an email with a voucher for two free tickets because it's my birthday month. And I'm like going to a White Sox game the day after my birthday and they didn't offer me anything. That's incredible customer service. That is really incredible customer service. Shout out to the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, feel like on your birthday, the White Sox send you an email. It's like, happy birthday. Come out to a game. It's like, for free? Absolutely not. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so um, shout out to Milwaukee. I like that. Uh, but that is going to do it here for uh, White Sox group therapy session number two um i would i would love to say that uh you know we we won't do this again because maybe that would mean that the white Sox are just like on a roll um but uh that's just not um the, the situation so i'm sure that we will meet again and, and quite frankly um you're all such lovely people that uh we're going to be chatting throughout the season no matter what um and maybe the next time we check in it'll be you know talking about some good things with the white Sox. 
Um, but hope everybody enjoys uh, the rest of their evening or day or whenever you're listening to this. And uh, thank you to Crystal, Zach, and Adrian for hopping on. I'm Sam Sherman with Southside Sox. Talk soon.